Hi, this is Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast. Welcome to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. I used to produce and edit the Google Teacher Podcast, hosted by Matt Miller and Casey Bell. You can enjoy the podcast once again, and be sure to visit the new website, chrisnessy.com slash googleteacherpod. Please note that any of the show note links mentioned in the episodes are no longer valid, but if you go to chrisnessy.com, dot com slash Google Teacher Pod, you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Thank you for your continued support, and may the Googles be with you. Hello, everyone. I'm Greg Goins from the Reimagined Schools Podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual host. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Welcome to episode 61 of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, your source for the latest Google for Education news, tips, tricks, and ideas you can use in class tomorrow. I'm Matt Miller from Ditch That Textbook. And I'm Casey Bell from Shake Up Learning. Are you ready to jump into part two of Google Slides? This is going to be so much fun, y'all. Matt and I have decided we probably could do an entire, like, season of of podcast episodes on Google Slides. It is so awesome. It's the most versatile tool, I think, in your G Suite toolbox. So we're going to jump in. We're going to keep going. Um, This is part two, episode 61. So if you want to go back, if you missed episode 60, you definitely want to hear some of those ideas and get get the foundation there. And then we're also, of course, going to talk about some pretty important Google news and updates. So a lot has happened since we last talked to you. So we're going to share what's been going on in the Google world. And of course, we've got some really awesome feedback and mailbag from our listeners. Thank you for that. And then we will share, of course, what's been going on on the blogs. So Matt, you ready to get started? I am ready. Let's do this. It is time for some news and updates. And since we're going to be talking about slides during this episode, actually, Casey, during the introduction, I was just thinking, and we talked about this off the air, we could probably totally do an entire podcast about Google Slides, couldn't we? Oh, yes, we totally could. Yeah. And you guys would love it, wouldn't you? Wouldn't the tribe totally gobble it up? I think that you guys would listen to, to every... Now, don't get your hopes up. We're not going to do it, okay? We're going to share all of our great Google Slides stuff through this podcast right here. There will be no spinoff Google Slides podcast, so sorry, but <laughs> you'll, you'll still get lots of great stuff here. And speaking of Google Slides, Google Slides just announced what I think is an amazing new feature, and it has to do with captioning. And so captioning is a pretty common thing in YouTube videos. But what happens so often is if you're doing a presentation live in person and you have your slides up front and you're trying to and you're talking to a group, what happens sometimes is people who sometimes don't hear as well or people who um, 
you know, have some sort of accessibility issues or maybe English isn't their first language or whatever, they might have trouble hearing you. And that's the beauty of having captions on a video. And of course, we haven't had that in slides or, you know, any other presentation software like that until now. So I think I remember seeing on an article or a video or something, there were a couple of people at Google who made this kind of like their passion project. And they came up with a way to do live captioning over Google Slides. So you start up a Google Slides presentation and you turn this captioning on and it will listen to your voice as you're talking during the presentation and it will throw captions up there on the screen live. So this isn't part of a video or anything. This just lays over the top of your slides. And so there's we've got a video here in the show notes that you can check out and an article that kind of gives you all of the details. But Casey, I don't know about you, but this really kind of blew my mind when I saw it. Yeah, this is super cool. And of course, it came at just the right time since we've been talking so much about, you know, how amazing Google Slides is as a tool. So to add this in, this is amazing for an accessibility feature. You're going to now be able to support some of those students who may be deaf or hard of hearing. You're also going to be able to, to help people understand you better, maybe in a noisier environment, because I'm thinking about sometimes even just when I present, sometimes it's hard for people to see the screen or to, or I mean, sorry, to hear me, that they need to see the screen to see the captions. This can definitely help. And uh, I think we all get a little giddy when they give us some sort of new feature inside Google Slides, especially. Yeah. Now, real quick before we move on past this, it does say in the article, this works on US in U.S. English on Chrome browsers. It's created from the presenter's computer and microphone, so it may not work consistently if there are multiple presenters using different computers. And they also suggest that you let the audience know that the captions are from Google Slides and not like video conferencing software and that it's only the the speaker's voice. So there there are a couple limitations, but it's still pretty amazing. Google sort of flew under the radar a little bit with this announcement, and it's a big announcement that uh, Google Plus is actually shutting down for the consumers. And this is huge. Even if you haven't been using this, this is huge for a lot of other reasons. And I'm going to read to you some information that I got as a GEG leader. So if you're not familiar with the GEGs, those are the Google Educator Groups, and they're all over the globe. So I'm a co-leader of the North Texas group, and I got a little at the bottom of an email newsletter, <laughs> I got a blurb about it. With like an, a, oh, just in case you're interested in yeah, this. Oh, this yeah. is no big deal, but. Mm-hmm. So, because if, you know, it's not like at the top of their pay. Of course, it's, it, it was not under good circumstances this, that this happened. Um, if you haven't paid attention, there was a, a data breach and it was pretty bad. It was pretty big and they didn't really talk about it like they should have. So Google's uh, getting really sort of um, put under fire over this kind of like Facebook has in the past few months. But anyway, so let's get back to what's going on now. Um like I mentioned that the GEGs are in Google Plus, they're Google Plus communities. And that to me has always been the biggest selling point of Google Plus is the actual community feature that kind of set it apart um, from some of the other things. And of course, it works with your Google account. And 
Uh, lots of schools have been doing these. I use these with some different uh, groups that I work with. And so when I got this link, it's like join the GEG leader discussion. So the link looks um, like it's a similar platform, but it's not actually in Google+. It's in a Cloud Connect community which makes me um, think that I'm going to see more of this. So just FYI. Um, so here's what they actually they put in here on October 9th. Dear leaders, as many of you now know, Google Plus is going to be removed as a consumer product while being maintained for G Suite organizational users. Not being clear about which G Suites that is, but I'm assuming they do mean G Suite for education just since that's who these people are. Um, we know many communities reply on Google Plus for their discussions, sharing, and organizing events, both in person and online, and this will be a significant change for many of you leading communities. However, there are a number of communities around the world which do not reply on G Plus as their platform for communication and sharing. Therefore, we would like you to share your use of platforms, ideas for community building, and any questions you have right here. So, I'm reading this and like I said, it's clear as mud. Like it, it is the most vague <laughs> explanation here, but I'm reading this as they are, they are pursuing possibly some other options for the GEG groups themselves, not exactly being clear on what's going to happen, but we do know using Google Plus with a personal account will, will be shut down. And I believe they said in the, over the next 10 months, it's going to be slow. So a lot of people are kind of freaking out, like they have collections that have all of these other things and have a lot of data in there. And we just don't have all the information yet. Yeah. And that's going to be a huge, huge shift, I know, for for a lot of people. So we're going to have to kind of keep our eyes open and we will do our best to try to um, to to keep you up to speed on all that. Now, let's let's turn our attention to something a little bit happier, a little bit more positive. Um, if you haven't seen it, Google released this uh, video in light of World Teachers Day, and it's called A Moment in Search. And so if you haven't seen it, it's pretty cool, pretty inspiring. Um, you know, it, it shows all of these little searches, like how to introduce yourself as a teacher, how to make learning fun, how to get supplies for my classroom, best ways to teach self-confidence. And it shows all of these quick video clips of, you know, fun, engaging, interesting things from the classroom. I know the Ron Clark Academy is in there a couple of times. And, um, so if you haven't seen it, it's only about a minute, 12 seconds. We got a link to it in the show notes, as well as there's an entire playlist for World Teachers Day with some more teacher inspiration, some amazing teachers from all around the world. And so they've got a little over 50 videos, I think, including some TED Talks of some really cool videos. So if you're looking for a little bit of inspiration, Google has curated some good stuff for us here. Oh yeah, that one video is is one that just kind of gives you chills as yes. a teacher. It's it, it really does give that emotional impact there. Now I'm going to move on to something else that showed up on the keyword blog, and that's blog.google. And this is titled "Helping Parents Have the Tech Talk with Their Kids." So I know many of you are in positions where you're also facilitating these conversations and having things like parent meetings to help parents understand the technology kids are using in the classroom and the skills that they're going to need. And obviously, digital citizenship is a big part of that. And one of the programs that Google's had now for 
a couple of years is the Be Internet Awesome program. So this is in conjunction with the Be Internet Awesome program. And essentially what's happening is October is apparently National Cybersecurity Awareness and National Bullying Prevention Month. Could they make that longer? <laughs> it's, it is a, a thing apparently in October and Google's partnering with the National PTA and Donors Choose on two new initiatives that are going to help keep kids safe and be positive online. So they're introducing this Be Internet, Be Internet Awesome kit, which, by the way, is also bilingual. It's going to be in English and Spanish. And the kit is going to include a pixel book to power the workshop, a presentation developed in partnership with the Family Online Safety Institute, a family guide, posters for the school, and a school banner as recognition for participating in this uh, this Be Internet Awesome program. So pretty awesome right there. So you're going to find more information about this um, on their website. And the link is, of course, include in our show notes, googleteachertribe.com slash 61. Okay, y'all, let's jump into Google Slides and continue our conversation from episode 60. So as we mentioned before, we're we're in part two just because we couldn't fit it all in one episode. In fact, I think we're having a hard time fitting it into two episodes, <laughs> yep. but we're going to do it because you're going to get tired of Google Slides. However, I hardly ever get tired of Google Slides. And as I tell a lot of people, you know, and Matt, you probably get this too, but I get a lot of questions like, which app is the best for this kind of project? I want to do this, this, and this, you know, what should I use? And it is almost always Google Slides, especially when I'm talking to a G Suite user. Now, not to say there aren't a million other fabulous tools out there, but it's it's that a lot of people just don't realize the functionality that's there and how easy it is to use. But what breaks my heart uh, is that people will overuse slides for presentations. You know, I, I facilitated a student panel this summer and I had students from third grade all the way up to 12th grade. And I asked them what they did with and they were one to one with iPads and MacBook Airs. <laughs> not not a school that's hurting, but. Every single kid on that panel told me they made presentations in Google Slides. And so I I got specific. I'm like, is that all just a presentation? Are you doing, you know, like, are you collaborating? I was trying to find out. And that's that's also something to watch out for. So, you know, be sure that you're collaborating across grade levels and with the other teachers uh, so that every kid gets exposed to something in your classroom, maybe that's a little bit different. Yeah. You know, to, to kind of chip in on that, I was at the, the ICE conference here in Indiana, our uh, state technology conference, and I was sitting in on a session by Manuel Herrera, who is um, a really great, he's an educator of some sort. I can't remember exactly what his title was, but he kind of works with teachers within his uh, school district. And we were talking about sketch noting and about visual thinking and everything. And he said his his, I think it was his son, um, who was in the real, real early grades, like first grade or something, came home and said, Dad, Dad, we learned how to do keynote. I've made this great keynote uh, presentation. And he's like, but the kid doesn't know how to tell a story. He doesn't know how to, it's like, 
we're kind of, we kind of miss out on the big picture of why do we want to use it? And we start to focus too much on the tool like that. That just remind that story just came to mind as, as you were saying that, that sometimes we get so focused on teaching kids how to use a tool in the traditional way that sometimes we miss out on the bigger picture stuff, which is the kind of stuff that we're going to talk about in this episode, right? That's right. You know, we're talking about ways to use the tools in alternative manner from just a presentation, but also to go further, to go deeper, to, you know, increase critical thinking, to get kids really like interacting with their learning. And of course, you know, to make it more dynamic in some sort of way. And, you know, I think there's a lot of hidden features inside slides as well. There's just a lot of things that haven't been tapped into just because because people don't have time to click around and they're not nerds like we are. So <laughs> I, I have done some clicking myself and every time I go in, I find something new. But one idea I want to present to you is, is the idea of creating interactive timelines and diagrams. So if you didn't know this, there are ready-made templates inside slides. If you go to insert diagram, it will open up a sidebar of uh, actually many different categories of templates. And so you can go in there and you can find something like a timeline. And that's a question that I get a lot too, Matt, is how do I create a timeline in a digital format? And Slides is a perfect tool for that. So you can choose one of these templates but you can make it better than just a static timeline like we used to do on paper. We can add links. We can add pictures. Of course, we can add all of the usual information, you know, the dates and, you know, summaries and things like that that we put on a timeline. But these links can also go to outside resources. They could be linking to other parts of their projects. They could be linking to a research paper. They could be linking to all different types of things so that it becomes interactive. And even if they are presenting this to the class in some sort of format, it's going to be a completely different space and, and way to, to learn and to reflect on their learning besides just a regular presentation. And you'll also find, like I said, not just timelines, but diagrams, cycles, all kinds of things. So, you know, hey, you want, you want the kids to illustrate the water cycle or whatever it is. You can go in there, find a template. And whether you, the teacher, want to actually manipulate it because your kids aren't quite ready for that, you can go make a little template for them, push it out through Google Classroom, or um, especially with the older kids, let them create their own. You know, when it comes to timelines, I was I was in that exact same uh, session I was just mentioning earlier at the ICE conference yesterday, and um, I saw an example of a timeline that someone actually sketched out, and this would still totally work with Google Slides, but I thought it was an interesting twist on it, is you know how a lot of times you have that one horizontal line across the screen that shows your time? What this person did was, instead of doing a horizontal line across the screen, they would bring that line up. It almost kind of looked like a, a jagged line, you know, kind of like what you'd see on an EKG monitor in a hospital almost. And the high parts, the peaks, were the best parts of their life over however many years. And then it would go down and it would be the low parts of their life. And so that was a way to add a new dimension to it. So it wasn't just a straight horizontal line. You also had you know, like a y-axis, so to speak, where you could see how things were up or down based on the the time. I thought that was kind of a neat thing. And since you mentioned timelines, I thought I'd throw that in there too. Yeah, I like that. It's almost like combining the the way you think about um, charting data 
you know, where it goes yeah. up and where it goes down so that kids can translate that. And by the way, I did put a little bit of a, a tiny little screenshot into our notes just to give you the visual. It's not complete. So please don't criticize me because it only has 1941 on it for the World War II timeline. That's okay. We'll give you a break on that. Okay. That's that's fine. Um, in the last episode, we talked a little bit about how you don't need the app to create the experience. And one of the examples I was giving was a Google Slides template I had created to do Instagram stories. If you like the idea of, um, you know, Instagram's kind of like video and photo storytelling um, and want to be able to use that for class content, just creating a Google Slides template or using the one that I've already created can help you create that experience without using the app. And so over the last week or so, I've continued to think, actually, that's not totally accurate because I've been, th- I've been dreaming this up for weeks <laughs> wow, and weeks Matt. and weeks. <laughs> I'm just getting honest here. Yeah, I'm just going to be real. Yeah, yeah. But, um, he's, he's finally thinking y'all. I know. <laughs> Way to go, was, Jimmy, Matt. <laughs> it was bound to happen one of these days. No, but um, finally, finally pulled the trigger and made it happen. Um, Instagram isn't the only one I was thinking about. I was also thinking about Snapchat because you see, I'm not a big Snapchat user. I'm still sort of learning. But my own kids who are in seventh grade, fifth grade, and third grade, specifically the two oldest, my two daughters, um, have shown me that you have, if you long tap on your face in um, Snapchat, that it pulls up all of these lenses. And if you swipe to the left, you get games that you can play with the lenses. And I started looking through these and I thought, oh man, some of these could really get kids engaged in content or classes. And so I was looking at the would you rather game, the this or that game, and the my face win game. And so I developed a whole bunch of templates for those three games too, so that you could do the academic version of those particular games within Google Slides. Kids will be familiar with those games because they probably played them on Snapchat if they do Snapchat. And then you can use them for an academic spin. So, for instance, if you do the My Face Win, basically you have a couple of empty boxes and it shows some emotions. So you just go to insert image with your webcam. You take a picture of yourself doing that emotion. So you put that into both of those spots and then you delete the text box with the emotion and it shows something down below where somebody in your content would have that emotion. So it kind of like is a surprise link to whatever it is you've been studying. And then, of course, you've got the this or that or the would you rather, which is like you give two options and then you tell why. And, you know, that one's a pretty easy connection, too. But I thought those are yet another example of how you really don't need the app to connect students to this app experience that they really, really love. I love that. And and the fact that you're creating these templates and sharing these so that it's ready made for teachers, those are really cool ideas. And I'm actually going to piggyback on that because this is a very similar type of of strategy, you know, simulating some of the applications maybe that students are familiar with or talking about, but maybe aren't necessarily something we have in the classroom like Snapchat. But, um, you know, I shared this just in the, the blog section a few weeks ago, but I didn't really talk about it in depth. So, I had a guest post by Micah Shippey on on my blog based on one of his ISTE presentations. And this was how to create your own apps, apps in quotation marks with Google Slides. 
And essentially what he did was he created a little template uh, imagining that you were creating a school app. So this was an application, you know, that parents and students would use to access the calendar and the lunch menu and things like that. So I've put a little animated GIF into the class notes to into the show notes, sorry, uh, that you can see on online to see what we're talking about, but it's icon driven. So, you know, you change the size of the slides and you, you know, make it look like it's something um, that's on a phone or if they're opening it on a phone, it looks like a real app because you're in the published mode of Google Slides, which if you're not familiar with that, and um, there are directions in this post, but you can go to file published to the web and get that published option so that it becomes a full screen player and it will mimic those types of things that we see in applications. So, you know, whether it is, you know, creating an application that is like your school app or whatever it is, because kids probably come to us all the time asking, hey, I want to create an app. Can I make an app that does this? Go for it. You know, this is just a great little substitution to sort of mimic an app-like experience. And really all that it's working on is external links and those internal links that I believe we talked about in the last episode, where when you go to insert the link, you actually link it to another slide in the slide deck. So it doesn't have to be just in that chronological using the arrows. If you click on the image, which can be linked because images and text can also be linked, that's going to take you to that part of the application. I love this so much. Isn't <laughs> this it cool? is such a cool idea. Yes, yeah. it's amazing. It is. Yeah. No, this yeah, that's that's so cool. And again, that is yet another example of something that I never ever ever would have thought to do with Google Slides. Um, I've got one more that I wanted to share. And this is one that you can do in Google Slides or in Google Drawings. In fact, the blog post that I wrote about it was based in Google Drawings, but the, again, so much of Google drawings and slides are the same that you could you could do this either way. But this is a post that I co-wrote with Laura Steinbrink, who is an educator in Missouri. And it's this idea called Caption This. And the thought is that if you have images that relate to your content, you know, it might be historical paintings or it might be current events photos or um, anything like that. If you pull those into a slide... Or if you did one of those shared slide presentations where each student has a slide within one slide presentation, um, basically what you can do is stick that picture in there and there's, and actually have the student stick it in there. So there's one less thing for you to do. And there's a couple of little things you can have them do to it that bumps up the critical thinking in the activity little by little. So if you had a picture of the example that I always seem to use, um, and I may have mentioned this on the podcast before, so forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but the one that I always seem to use is uh, Washington crossing the Delaware. You know, it's a, you know, that, that old famous painting. And what we might do is identify, you know, three things that we know about Washington crossing the Delaware or label George Washington, you know, some of that real basic kind of like, fact recall that's, you know, baseline Bloom's taxonomy, depth of knowledge stuff. But a way to kick it up to the next level of depth of knowledge is to put a little speech bubble or a little thought bubble above some of the people in the picture and to say, you know, ask students, what do you think this person was thinking or saying at this time? 
which means you've got to know your content. You've got to be able to put yourself in that other person's shoes. That's depth of knowledge level two. And then if you have them in a little text box someplace else, describe why they said that, why they think that person thought it or said it. Now, all of a sudden, you're justifying your thinking. That's depth of knowledge level three. And it's low prep. I mean, the student can put the picture on the screen, can add the speech bubble or the thought bubble, can add the text box. So it's a really easy way to move up through the levels of web's depth of knowledge without having to do things for your for your students to take time for yourself to to get this activity together. So this is yet another thing that I think is kind of cool that you can use slides for. I love that. That's a really fantastic way to to put that that student-centered learning, right? We're putting them in the driver's seat and getting them to really go deeper and to think critically and make those those connections. And sometimes I know my students were really had a hard time when it came to associating imagery, you know, certain images with vocabulary too. And that was something that we worked on because often they were so literal about things. There's not always a literal picture, you know, when you think about vocabulary. And so um, I'm already like thinking of another idea that I'm not going to share in this episode because we don't have time, but I'll save that one for later. So my my language arts teacher in me is perking up here. I have one more thing that I want to share, and it's actually from Karen Duffner, and she shared this on Twitter, and it was just a fantastic takeaway from last week's episode on slides. And she says, while listening to the podcast can be helpful, listening to Shake Up Learning and J. Matt Miller and their podcast about slides led to a great revelation, making anchor charts using slides. Why take up important wall space and time when it's only needed for a small bit? So she did it just on the fly right after listening, which we'd love. We'd love if we can give you something that you can use immediately. And she included a little picture of the, the screen. And it's very simple. Um, but I mean, it's great. It's it's there. And again, you know, how expensive is that chart paper anyway? <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, just another digital way to, to use that and and how many different ways that we can use slides. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got even a few more ideas, believe it or not, that we didn't get to. We're not going to probably do another slides episode, at least right now, that we think two probably is enough. But we've got a couple of other things in here too. So feel free to check out any of the links to any of this stuff with Google Slides um, at our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 61. There's a letter in your mailbox. Hey, you know what? This is all your mail. Hey, maybe I'll give you a call sometime. You've got mail. It's time for the mailbag, and we're going to start right up here with a question from Ryan from Wisconsin, and Ryan left us a voice message. So, Ryan, take it away. Hey, Matt and Casey. This is Ryan Gutch from Owen, Wisconsin. I have a question about what exact process or app I should use for this. I'm looking to have kids and even parents watch a video and not allow them to be able to uh, have control of no skipping ahead and such. And I want them to be able to answer questions based on the little video clip that they saw. I've seen it in uh, some athletic tests. They have to watch a certain video and then answer questions based on that, and they can't progress until they answer the questions right. So I'm hoping there is something 
either Google Forms related or Google Slides related that I can do this with. So any suggestions you have, I'd love to hear from you. Thanks. Okay, so I know that the most, probably the easiest answer for this, Ryan, is to use a tool like Edpuzzle. I say use a tool like Edpuzzle. I'm thinking just use Edpuzzle. Um, What Edpuzzle will do is let you take a video and it'll let you embed questions inside of it. And it'll let you stop and you can trim the video. And I mean, there's there's lots of um, different things that you can do to create that experience. So I think whatever it is that you're looking for, you can you can totally make that happen. Um, of course, if you really, really wanted to use forms to ask the questions, you could, but you can't really embed them in the middle of the video. Um, I don't know. There's, there's probably a way that you could cobble together a video um, forms combination or something, but I think Edpuzzle is probably your easiest bet. I do know also in, um, in YouTube that they're, they're making more and more options for when you embed videos on, you know, what you can and can't see. So being able to disable some of the, some of the commands and some of the features that your, uh, students and or parents could use, um, could probably be done within YouTube. But I think the shortest and cleanest answer here is to use Edpuzzle. You can find that, of course, at edpuzzle.com. And I totally agree with that answer because Edpuzzle will actually track like how much time they spend watching the video and it will give you more data. And even if you hack together a Google form with you know, clips of videos and ask a question, clips of videos, which would take you way longer. You're not going to be able to get that data. You're not going to have anything that tells you if they watched it or how long they watched it or anything like that. So um, definitely check out Edpuzzle. Okay, y'all, we got another speak pipe and you know, we like these hint, hint, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Please, please leave us a little voicemail. That's what these are on the Google Teacher Tribe website. You can click on feedback and leave us a little message. We love hearing your voices. But we have a question here about Google Sites from Ashley in Cincinnati. Take it away, Ashley. Hi, Matt and Casey. My name is Ashley Morrison, and I am a first-year tech coach in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, My question is I love using Google Sites and have, showing teachers how to use them themselves, but also how they can get have their students use them to share their work. And what I was wondering is if you all knew of any other tools besides Padlet that when you embed them work really well within the site. Um, I just discovered how great Padlet is within the Google site that you don't have to go to an external link um, to, to use it. And so I was just wondering if you all knew of any other tools like that. Thanks so much. Love the show. Okay, Ashley. So essentially, if I'm understanding you correctly, you're really looking for those outside tools that you can embed inside Google Sites. And Padlet is definitely one of the, the top ones at on my list. I, I still love Padlet, even, even though we're a little bit limited now in the free version. But we um we can embed Padlet. You can embed pretty much anything now because the the embed tool has been greatly improved in the new Google Sites. And of course, you can embed all of your Google apps. That's sort of you know naturally built into the platform. But you can also use it like like we mentioned in the Sites episode, um, embedding forms for in lieu of comments. And some people are using Padlet for that as well. 
But I guess it kind of depends on exactly what you're trying to accomplish with, with that tool and being able to embed, you know, whether you're creating something on it, on any other platform that allows embed code, it should work inside sites. So I actually want to put this question out to the tribe too, because you're out there using these things every single day. So what other tools do you you embed inside Google Sites that give you uh, more functionality that you need? Yeah, we know there are tons of options out there and we're really fascinated to see what you and your students are using. So please do shoot us some uh, ideas either on the GT Tribe hashtag on Twitter or through googleteachertribe.com. Go ahead and leave us some feedback and we would love to be able to pass those along to others. Moving on now to talk about what's been going on on the blogs. And I have a newly updated ebook that I want to share with you. It's completely free, but I get so many questions about Google certification. And especially if you're just jumping in, there are four different certifications in, in, in education. So it can be really confusing. And what all does it take? Is there an exam? Is there an application? All of that information I have synthesized into this free ebook. And I have to tell you, it's beautiful and not because I designed it. I actually had it professionally designed. It's gorgeous. So even if you have a copy of the old one, get the updated version. There's a couple of tweaks to it, but um, you you definitely want to get your hands on it. And of course, it's completely free. And since we're still talking about slides in this episode, I also just wanted to mention that my Google Slides Masterclass is still available and there have been some fantastic reviews coming in. Um, Teachers are loving the idea. So if you really want to get hands on with some of the things that Matt and I have been discussing and you want to learn this and use this in your classroom, go check it out. Shakeup.link forward slash GS master. So here's another one you can check out. Uh, this is a video, actually, that I produced on my uh, YouTube channel about doing virtual walking tours with Google Maps Street View and Screencastify. And so this is something that I'm sure that I've probably mentioned at some point on the podcast, but this is one of my favorite app smashes where you can use something like Google Maps Street View to drop yourself down on the street just about anywhere around the world. And then if you use Screencastify to record it, Screencastify will record your screen, but it will also record uh, with the microphone. So you can talk about what you're seeing. And it's basically a way to do kind of like a virtual walking tour. And so if I've ever mentioned that before and you've thought, oh, that sounds pretty cool. I wonder how that looks. I wonder how you'd actually do that. I've got a totally uh, a complete walkthrough video here that you can check out. So, of course, we've got the link to that on our show notes as well. So many ideas in this episode. My my head is already spinning, Matt. I, oh, I don't know about you, but I, I'm always learning more from you as well. And I feel like the more we talk, the more ideas that just come out of this. So I hope everybody is walking away with some super cool new ideas on how you can use Google Slides in your classroom. And, um, you know, we are really excited to have you listening. And please be sure that you uh, leave us a review on iTunes so other teachers can find us as well and share the love. 
Yeah, definitely. So much good stuff. I hope that there's something that you can use and take straight into your classroom. I know your students are going to love it. And again, of course, if you have other ways that you're using Google Slides, we would love to hear them on the GT Tribe hashtag on Twitter or just give us a shout over at GoogleTeacherTribe.com. So that wraps up another episode. We will see you on the next episode of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and by visiting GoogleTeacherTribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power, and may the Googles be with you. Thank you once again for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. For the latest on Matt Miller, be sure to visit his website, ditchthattextbook.com. For the latest on Casey Bell, be sure to visit her website, shakeuplearning.com. And to keep up with me and get the latest in education technology, be sure to visit my website, chrisnessy.com. And I invite you to listen to the House of EdTech Podcast.